I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last Wednesday afternoon, Janet and I went to Hamilton. The play, not, not the city. Now, Hamilton is as big as grand opera. And like Shakespeare's plays, it's driven by words. Words with power. Power to move audiences. Power to communicate story and meaning. Words sung and rapped. And something in between. The closest I know is German Singspieler. Movement is choreographed more to the beat of the words than the music. It's, it's fascinating. And Alexander Hamilton himself is a fascinating study of ambition, passion, vision. And his story is operatic. The illegitimate son of a sailor and a prostitute jumps on a ship in Haiti, sails to New York, studies law, and at the age of 19 sets out to make a name for himself, or as he sings, I'm not going to miss my shot. He always lands in the right places at opportune times to meet the right people. Always controversial, he's disdained by his elders and betters. He becomes a war hero. He serves as George Washington's right hand during the Revolution and when Washington is president, and then he's in the cabinet. He crafts a currency for the new republic. He establishes the first treasury and banks. And he's counted among the founders of the country. Like every great character, since stories were first told, Alexander Hamilton is tried and tested along the way. He doesn't always get his way, at least not on the first try. Powerful men say no. His pride feeds a hot temper and leads to the end of his story. But he faces one temptation along the way, a common temptation to men with power, and he falls for this temptation too easily. He hides, lies, he knows if word gets out, and it does. But he's so determined to, to beat his adversaries, he publishes a pamphlet admitting his sin and cutting his enemies down. And it costs him his career and his marriage. There's more to the story. Check it out. There are lots, there's been lots written about Alexander Hamilton. But the life stories of the heroes and heroines of every age include times of trial, often temptation. In every culture's story, leaders, rulers, saviors, gods, prove they're worthy of praise and power, usually by their triumphs, but sometimes learning from their mistakes, their failures, which only makes them more powerful and praiseworthy assuring victory the next time they're tempted. So it's no surprise that two of the gospel stories of Jesus tell of struggle, tell of temptation, before Jesus begins his work in the world. 
The Christian Gospels, especially Matthew and Luke, represent a kind of literature common in the days of the early church. For example, when Roman emperors claimed divine power, they commissioned Gospels to tell their stories. Jesus' story begins with a miraculous virgin birth. The Gospel of Caesar Augustus does too. Caesar performs miracles and endures trials and dangers all in the opening chapters. So when our Gospels were composed and written down, every biography had an introduction that prepared readers for the rest of the story. Authors worked hard to prove their subjects were worthy of praise and power, and their books were worth reading. The first four chapters of Luke's Gospel and Matthew's Gospel introduce us to Jesus. And every detail, every detail in those episodes points forward to the rest of the story to things Jesus will say and do, and how his life will come to a glorious conclusion. Today we have the hero's test. He has to pass before he can take on the hero's task. And the test is more than the temptations. There's a 40-day vision quest first. 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. Forty days and forty nights in the ark with Noah and his family before a first sign of life and land. Forty years of wandering, learning, a new generation is born before first sight of the promised land. And forty years or so in exile till a new generation can go home and rebuild a nation. Forty days. Not just biblical shorthand for a good long time, but 40 to identify Jesus with the history of his people from the beginning. 40 days and nights, and Jesus is exhausted, vulnerable. He's open to God or any spirit that may be on the wind. At his weakest physically, he faces three temptations. Now, Matthew tells this story in a time when the world is still enchanted. Gods and spirits are always near in people's minds and hearts. And sometimes Israel God, Israel's God seems far away, but there's still the belief that God can intervene in the world in the twinkling of an eye, a flash of lightning, a roll of thunder. And so a spirit comes to Jesus called the tempter, the questioner, the adversary the one who tested Adam and Eve, they failed. Will Jesus succeed? Now, in our reading from Romans, as far as Paul is concerned, Jesus won because he had to reverse that first failure. But these three temptations, bread from stones, testing God's faithfulness, selling his soul for worldly power, Jesus overcomes them all. Physical hunger is powerful. Forty days with no vision can make even the Son of God wonder, question, is God with me? And 
He's already exhausted, so why not take the easy way to achieve what he will in the end through pain and suffering and death? And the adversary can even quote Scripture to achieve his purpose. The tempter knows the Bible inside out. But Jesus knows his Bible memory work too, and he answers the tempter with the word of God. So, the hero is tested and succeeds and then begins his heroic task. But how does this set the stage for the rest of the gospel? Well, read the gospel. Listen to the stories and see Jesus give people both bread and word of God. See Jesus put himself last and the least first. Watch him demonstrate God's faithfulness. Hear him pray and and see his works of power, not to glorify himself, but for others, only for others. See him fulfill scripture, as Matthew keeps reminding us. And see him give glory to God. It begins in the wilderness. And for the first people to hear and read the gospel, Jesus demonstrates who's in charge. He rules the world of of the spirits, and he defeats the adversary. Now, that may not impress us very much in our unenchanted, disenchanted world. We don't believe in spirits blowing on the wind or hiding in the woods. We like to believe in angels, but not the biblical kind. We may not believe in a personal Satan, but we have to believe there is such a thing as evil in the world, a presence, a force greater than the sum of human parts. It's attractive, alluring, tempting, especially to those who are ambitious for power, hungry for praise, especially to those who hate the world as it is. So maybe it it, it is good for us to remember that there is one who is stronger, a greater power for good. And we follow him, or at least we do our best to follow him, and we bear his name even though we don't always live up to it, but we are not powerless against the powers of this world. And another thing Matthew wants his first readers that original audience to know. Jesus is God's authorized interpreter of Scripture. And even the tempter knows God's word, but Jesus knows its truth and power. So read Matthew's Gospel. Jesus preaches with authority. The people say they've never heard anything like it. Jesus interprets the old laws, and he gives new commandments for living. We used to be able to say that the Bible is the best-selling, most-read book in the world. We have to say today that the Bible is the most misused, abused book, at least in our part of the world. People take words of power and use them as weapons. So, because of that, sometimes we're embarrassed to admit we're Christians or to be seen reading a Bible, because those who claim to know for sure, what the Bible really says do so much more harm than good. 
But remember the story from the wilderness. When someone quotes the Bible at you, listen. Do they sound like Jesus or the other fellow? Do they speak God's word to draw attention to themselves? Or do they speak it like Jesus to call us into a loving relationship with God? Our great heroic saga of Jesus is like so many other stories from its time and before. Yet we believe it is also unique. Our hero, Jesus, leads us forward to share in his life, living in his power in the world, and to share in his death by giving up ourselves to serve one another as he gave himself up for us, but also to share in his resurrection, living in the sure hope that we will follow in his path through life, through death, to eternal life. And along the way, we claim his strength in response to the tests and trials of our heroic journeys. Amen.